welcome to home away from dome wow wasn't that cool i didn't even have to say the title um yeah welcome to episode uh five of the podcast home away from dome um today we're going to be talking about episode five of under the dome uh blue on blue um I don't really know what that title is supposed to mean. Um, like, I assumed this was going to be all about the police um, and Junior's new role as a part of it. Um, and that does come up a little bit, but I would say the uh, missile sent at the dome is probably the focus of the episode. Um, I don't know, maybe what, that's what the B in Moab stands for, is blue on blue. 42 hut hut hike i don't know anyway uh so this episode i I should have more to talk about than last week because we actually run into some interesting problems i didn't consider at first about having a giant dome um but yeah let's uh let's go into it uh so the episode starts off with joe and nori uh, and they're just talking about the dome you know just like always um so what's interesting is they've latched on to the idea that the dome is sending messages to them very quickly um and i understand you know it's it's a pretty supernatural world like the dome is a pretty magical and um seizures uh where you say the exact same thing as a random girl you've never met um that's also pretty mystical um but i don't know they they don't if the dome was sending messages to me and i was stuck under it i'd be like Hey, cut it off! Cut it out! I, I I don't like you. We're not friends, Mister Dome. You've kidnapped me. It, it's it's almost like a Junior Angie scenario, you know? Maybe 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 that's what the Dome is doing. It's keeping everybody in until, uh, you know, they be better people and they go back to loving him or something. I don't know. Um, but that's the whole thing. Like, I wouldn't really care what the dome was telling me, or at the very least, I'd be scared of the dome, I guess. But they, they just sort of see it as, as like, almost lassie, uh, like a dog trying to talk to them. And they're like, oh, well, he's just trying to communicate with them. Uh, by the way, they have a hilarious analogy where um, Joe has two walkie-talkies and puts them too close together. Then we're like human receivers. We can catch a few of the transmissions on our own, but when we get too close to each other feedback um so that what he's saying is that both him and nori are uh oh what's the word i guess listeners or um antenna uh picking up the dome's messages but if you get too close to one each other you get feedbacks and you have a seizure um this doesn't really account for why they had a seizure originally but i don't know it's, it's sort of a weird metaphor to begin with um it sort of plays into my pet theory that joe doesn't really know anything about what's going on and just likes to reference things that he learned in his uh, most recent science class almost like a magic school bus episode but we don't get to see him go to school because he's partying all day um anyway uh so that's how the episode starts um actually the main reason joe brought nori out is because there's a lot of butterflies on the uh on the on the, the fence that'd be a lot less cool on the dome um hundreds of monarch butterflies um who i believe are uh not doing that well as a species so uh big ups on the dome for bringing together monarch butterflies <laughs> unless it's disrupting it you never know maybe the dome sent them maybe it's trying to tell us that the dome's just a cocoon and when it finally goes away we'll all get to be something new anyway 
Um, they're all there, and then they fly away because I think Barbie put his hand on the dome or something. Um, and you can see the military are there. Um, I don't know. I don't know why Barbie was there. Actually, it's sort of weird that he just sort of went off to look at the butterflies. Uh, anyway, this whole thing is just a roundabout way of saying that behind the butterflies, there's busloads of people coming in because it's visitor day at the dome. Um, it's like a camp. Haven't you ever been to camp? They're finally giving us our own visitors day. I don't. Is that a thing at camp? I, I never really went to camp, but in the show they say it's a thing at camp where. Uh, people's uh, family can come and say hi if you got stuck on the other side of the dome. Pretty cool, eh? Um, yeah, so let's let's see. Any noticeable... I don't know. There aren't actually that many people who show up who are relevant to the storyline. Um, like we have DJ Phil's sister shows up. He seems very unimpressed, by the way. He's like, hey, that's my sister. Cool. Uh, Nori meets her real dad, which is uh, interesting. Um, Dottie has a friend who's there. I, I, I don't really know who that was. Um, oh, man. That's that's almost it. Oh, Linda's husband. Oh, Rusty? The one that we met before the firefighter is there. Um, anyway, so th those conversations all take place. Um this is, of course, the first opportunity for Junior, the police officer, to uh, get some work done. Um, and yeah, actually, I realize I've skipped ahead a little bit. What I forgot to mention is uh, the cliffhanger that we were left on ep last episode. Uh, Big Jim found Angie in the basement, or the fallouts shelter, or whatever. <laughs> uh, so where does that go uh, in between this episode and the last? Uh, Big Jim apparently went back into his house and took a nap. Uh, then he came down and talked to Angie, and Angie was like, oh, hey, hey, Big Jim, what took you so long? And he's like, oh, I just need to think on this a little bit. Honey. No, 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 you can't leave me down here. You can't, you've never, no, 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 wait, wait, no, no, Anyway, he just leaves. Um, so Angie's still stuck in the shelter. Um, and Big Jim didn't even bring her any prom dresses or, like, uh, anything like that. So honestly, Junior's probably a step up. Uh, Jim seems to more be uh, unsure of what to do. Um, if anybody, anybody's watching along, they'll notice that uh, Big Jim sort of has one facial expression, where his mouth is sort of open, and he's looking at you like he doesn't understand what you're saying. And he's either genuinely confused or about to murder you. And he actually does both of that in this episode. But in, in this scene, he was just like, oh, I don't know what to do, my son kidnapped somebody and I want to run for town councilor. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do both, so he just sort of puts it off till later. Um, and you know the nice thing about a dome? Uh, your problems are still going to be there when you wake up, so procrastination, good time for it. Anyway, uh, Junior walks in and uh, meets up with Big Jim, and uh, Jim decides to tell Junior for some reason... I'm authorizing you to recruit auxiliary officers. Yeah, I... How about Carter? Fullback from your year. So at first I thought he was going to create like a band of ne'er-do-well muscle heads. Um, but later on, f first of all, they don't show any of these people. Um, in The most is in one shot in the background. I, Lindsay pointed out that somebody was wearing a badge, but I didn't really see them this episode other than that. 
Um, but the other thing was one of the the, the person who had a badge uh, was not the uh, fullback described. Uh, we didn't get a name for her, but uh, she was not the person described. So I don't really know. I like. <laughs> I, I I really want to know more about Junior's like friends who are now the police department, but we don't really hear about that this episode, or why Big Jim wanted um, his son to deputize a police force. But whatever. There's a new group of police officers who we do follow this episode is linda uh linda's first job this episode is to keep people back from the dome we need to keep people a safe distance from this thing we don't want people's cameras or cell phones blowing up like duke's pacemaker till we find out what the hell this dome is i don't want anyone on our side touching it no matter what she immediately crosses the police tape that she put up so that she can talk to her boyfriend or fiance um and shows little dis- little regard for the rules because they don't apply to her. Um, I don't know. Her conversation with her uh, firefighter fiance goes pretty well. Um, he's happy to see her, and then she's like, "Oh, your your brother's dead," and he's like, "Oh no!" Or actually, it goes, "Is he okay?" Um, on his Microsoft Surface, um, a fun game for those watching at home. See how many times the Microsoft Surface or Windows 8 product line shows up. They sponsor the show, I'm pretty sure. Uh, this is the first time they showed up, but it definitely builds up um, by season two. Um, it's the only thing strong enough to pierce the dome as a Windows tablet. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that shows up three times this episode. I'm going to keep a running count of how many product placements for Windows they have. So three so far. It's going to go up. It's going to go way up. <laughs> but maybe it might take a little bit to get there. Um other than that everything goes pretty calm at visitors day nori's dad is there and nori's like no my mom said i came from an anonymous donor then he shows pictures of him with her mom um atlas uh and a bunch of baby photos of her and she's like what and then her mom's come in and they're just like how dare you you have never been anything to this girl the second the cameras show up, you decide you suddenly have a daughter? Because it looks like he's just doing it for publicity, um, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nori gets mad at her parents and leaves. Um, she takes her she takes her, pa- her mom's side of things. He's not my dad. He's just some creep who wants to be on TV. Even though the moms didn't really provide any proof, but I guess that makes sense. She's known her moms the whole life. Um, and also, her dad came really unprepared. Um, he has, like, a photo book and one piece of paper that says, like, I'm your dad. Um, I don't know. I would have prepared more pieces, like, maybe some FAQs or, like, maybe I'd just bring a poster board. Like, there's nothing saying that you have to bring one piece of paper. And, like, it's not like Survivor. You don't get, like, a luxury item that you bring. Just come prepared, you know? Anyway. Um, it's all fun and games, uh, people saying hi to each other, uh, Junior and Barbie almost get into a bit of a scuffle, um, but then, uh, surprisingly, um, Barbie starts talking to one of the military, uh, guys on the other side, uh, right at the end of Visitor's Day, everybody gets back in their bus to go home, and the guy basically says, uh, yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're told to get out of here and we're not coming back, so see ya. <laughs> Um, so what could that mean? 
we're going to take a, a little intermission here uh, before we get to the exciting part of the episode. But spoiler alert, they're going to try and blow up the dome. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do a little break. I meant to do it earlier in the episode, but I'm going to do it now. Um, sort of a corrections corner, because I wanted to correct uh, two main things that have gone wrong earlier in the podcast. Uh, this won't be the last time I do this. I can guarantee that. Um, <laughs> the first thing was, the actress who plays Nori is not the same girl as the uh, orange-haired girl from Jumanji. Um... I guess I just always assumed that when I looked it up, it was very clearly not her. So my bad there. Uh, the only star to come out of this show is the Daybreakers guy. I've also not looked that up, but I'm much more confident of that. Um, secondarily, I didn't really talk about Julia's plot line last week. I sort of just said that she was going to die, um, and I didn't say what happened in the end. Julia's not dead. Julia Shumway is still here. Uh, Julia Shumway of The Independent. But uh, basically, she broke out of the hospital, breaking quarantine, which, you know, didn't infect anybody, so all the power to her. Um, drove out to a cabin in the woods where Barbie murdered her husband, collapsed, saw a vision of her husband, um, and then Barbie uh, drove over, got her, and drove her back and saved her life. Um, just a couple corrections that Steve forgot for Corrections Corner. Um, there are a few more things that happened last episode that might be marginally important. So here they are. Um, after Barbie saves Julia, she's taken back to the hospital and obviously saved because she's in this episode. She asks more questions about what went on with Barbie and her husband. And Barbie explains about the gambling and all that and explains a bit more about how he was an enforcer and that's how he knew him she doesn't believe him until he plays a voicemail i've got the cash but my wife's home meet me at the other spot she then gets very upset um she also kicks barbie out of her house when i get back home you better be gone so one of the reasons he was uh near the butterflies this episode was because he was sleeping in his car Another thing Steve sort of teased at last episode was whether or not the sickness would be done. Uh, here's a clip. This was the outbreak over. Well, everyone who's sick has been treated and anyone exposed to meningitis got antibiotics. So, yes, it's over. So, yeah, so the, the sickness all got done last episode, so we're not dealing with that at all anymore. Um, also, the Reverend has a scene with Big Jim where he basically says, here's all your money back. I'm out of this drug business they were dealing with. I'm going to wash my hands of our dirty little business. Uh, so that might explain a bit more of the Reverend's decisions this episode. Also, uh, between the two episodes, just as a note, uh, the water somehow did stop running in the fallout shelter. So although she is clearly very cold and still, you know, chained up, uh, Angie is not at risk of drowning. Lastly, just while I have the mic for a second, uh, Steve is right about Joe being from Daybreakers. So point one to Steve. Yeah, that was that was about it. Just wanted to keep people in the loop all right um before i get back to the bomb that's going to be sent at the dome um i wanted to talk about uh go back to the original premise of this podcast how will toronto's megadome do with visitors day so 
Um, the first thing you gotta do with Visitor's Day is you gotta pick a location to do it on. Because um, it needs to be on the border of the dome. Um, needs to have easy access. So I think we'll just probably pick a, a spot on the 401 uh, <laughs> and everybody can just drive over there. Uh, driving back will suck because everybody drove one way there and then everybody will have to turn around. So hopefully we like cut, split the highway in half. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, potentially everybody's going to have to like three point turn as a collective to get out of there. Anyway. Um, do I think that we'll be able to do Visitor's Day as well as they did? Zero uh, percent chance. I think the Visitor's Day will be much, much different. Um, in the show, nobody's really that emotional. They all seem content, happy, maybe a little surprised. Um, nothing too, nothing too drastic. Um, I think in our reality, Visitor's Day would be um, people bawling, rioting, um, trying to rush the dome. Uh, and overall, just a sense of sincere sadness, um, because even in this controlled scenario, I'm not going to say how long the dome's going to last, um, so people will know that it is this inescapable force that people are stuck in for who knows how long. The other thing is, unlike Chester's Mill, there's millions of people under this dome, so even if we spread it out a bit better, I think it's going to be lines back for ages. Um, the military might be overwhelmed on one side of the dome and our uh, police force uh, will be completely overwhelmed on the other. So I think it's a terrible idea um, and probably not something that we should encourage or bust people in for. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to nix Visitor's Day. Um, what? Dodie, Visitor's Day was not about saying hello to your families. It was about saying goodbye. Maybe we can do, like, everybody gets a day and visitors, visitors' day is just every day. Um, and a 300th of people can go do it each day. I don't know. Maybe that would be fun. I do think some isolation is good, though. Um, you don't want people knowing what they're missing. Like, what if you go out and you see, like, oh, the Raptors uh, won the championship again. And you're like, damn, I didn't see that. I've been watching, like, an intramural league <laughs> in, inside the dome and the... The Rexdale, uh, uh, I want to say Rexdale Raptors. Yeah, let's let's say that all of the teams are in the dome are also named the Raptors. <laughs> the Rexdale Raptors beat the uh, Scarborough Leafs. Um, that's the sports I watch. But I, man, I wish I could watch the Raptors. Anyway, I, I think isolation is key to keeping the dome alive. I think seeing just how lame the life inside the dome is is going to lower morale. So. Visitor's Day, we might try it out, but definitely going to be a lot more limited than uh, how they did it in the show. Oh, one more visitor who showed up, who I didn't talk about. Uh, Julia's sister-in-law shows up, and she has a note that says, uh, from her husband, that basically says, I know this is confusing, but all I can say is sorry. Tell Julia she deserves better. Um, anyway, it's... I, I don't know. It, it makes it clear that maybe he wanted to die or it was dying was something that, you know, he definitely planned for. Um, and Julia now thinks, you know, oh, he was just going to run away. Uh, she doesn't think that her husband's dead. Uh, Lindsay brought up a great point that from the sister-in-law's perspective, she just has this weird note from her uh, brother who disappeared that says, like, 
uh, I, I'm sorry for what's going to happen, but I, you're not going to understand. And then a magic dome appeared, and it's like, did he do this? We'll never know. Maybe we will. Maybe Peter Shumway did this. He did show up as like a ghostly figure in the last episode, so maybe he is alive and omnipotent. Who knows? That's how Peter Shumway is going to move up from fifth to fourth in our Ultimate Fighters list. Well, Visitor's Day was fun. It's uh, more or less done, though. Um, all right. So Barbie uh, pieces together a few pieces of information. First, a soldier outside said, I'm never coming back here. Then, the very religious reverend now, he says, Over and over, the Lord has spoken one word in my ear. Moab. Moab, the city in the Bible. Um... Anyway, so Barbie pieces together these two things and realizes that the Reverend is hearing through his hearing aid the military saying Moab, which is known as the mother of all bombs. And that's a real thing. And that's actually a fun little twist there that I've always appreciated. Um, putting that together with the uh, what the uh, soldier that they talked to said, uh, that they got through lip reading, by the way, um, and then talking to Julia, who overheard at the radio station that Zone One is painted green for 1315. Uh, they determine that they're going to launch the mother of all bombs at the dome at 115. Um, side note, because it's my favorite part of this scene, uh, they're, as they're piecing it together, everybody's contributing. Barbie goes, Painted means that a target's been approved. And then Dottie goes, Zone One was written on all the trucks, so it's gotta be Chester's Mill. Like, okay. If you're hearing military chatter and. Uh, I don't even know, Ohio or wherever this show takes place. Um, it's going to be at the Dome. You, you, don't, you can assume it's that, even if you didn't see that Zone 1 stuff. But then Linda, the cop, goes... In 1315? And it's like, well, it's, it's the time. It's military time. I'm pretty sure the police are pretty familiar with military time. But then Barbie goes, no, the 1315, that's 115 military time. Because he was in the military, and they're the only people who use military time. All right, so they figure out that the town's going to get hit by a bomb, and they start freaking out. Uh, the whole town thinks they're going to die. By the way, I don't... So my initial thought was that I don't think Moab would be enough to take out the whole town, especially if it's detonating at the border of town. Um, it's not as big as a nuke. Um, and Chester's Mill is a pretty big town, and you don't. And the nice thing about the mother of all bombs is it's not radioactive, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but Lindsay raised a good point that they might be worried that the dome will collapse, sort of like a shattered egg, and the pieces of the dome will just crush people. Um, I never really considered the dome doing that. I sort of see it like a force field. Um, but yeah, it's something to consider. Um, I, I'm sure I would have a, a very different perspective under the dome a very uh, chicken little point of view uh that the sky is going to fall on me underrated movie chicken little <laughs> anyway uh so the whole town decides uh we gotta go we gotta go to or go to safety now what is safety from this uh well let's look at the sets we have we can't go to the diner uh we can't go to julia's house the hospital we were just there so instead, everyone is going to the old cement factory. Um, I don't know why they went there. It looks super rickety and uh, gross and 
more likely to fall down than most buildings in town, but I guess it is underground, so they all go to the cement factory. Um, and yeah, they do, they just start counting down for the world to end. Um, so let's let's see what a few of our characters did during that. Um, Big Jim decided that this was the perfect opportunity to let Angie out of the fallout shelter. Anyway, um, you can go now. Um, if you're wondering why somebody would, as a bomb's coming to strike their house, decide, I feel bad about the girl I locked up in my bomb shelter. I'm going to kick her out of my bomb shelter. Um, I don't know why he chose this moment. Why are you doing this? Well, if we're all going to die today, you might as well die a free woman. If anything, wait until it's over. I honestly think that he just wanted to use the bomb shelter and thought it would be awkward to spend time with the girl who's kidnapped there by his son. Um, but anyway, Angie gets out and she runs around. Where the hell is everybody? Uh, Junior eventually comes home and goes, uh, Hey, Dad, uh, don't mind me going into the fallout shelter. And then Big Jim goes, I know. I, like... I know you kidnapped somebody. I let her go. And then Junior's like, yeah, 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 my real dad. And goes and drives off into the woods to go catch uh, Angie. Which he does. He just goes to her house and finds her there. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, Nori and Joe are running around town trying to find Angie. They don't know about the kidnapping or anything. Uh, they, they're just running around town. They want to get her into the shelter. You should go back to the shelter. No, I want to stay with you. You should be with your moms. They're your family. But you're my friend. Um, our last protagonist who's outside of the salt mine, their cement factory, uh, Linda, leaves her job as acting like commander of the police force and goes and stands on some, like, roof of a building where she carved her name with Rusty. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. Oh my god, that'd be like if the captain of a ship, when it hit an iceberg, you know, like they're supposed to like keep doing their job and be the last one down. It'd be like if they just, I don't even know, like jumped into the propeller. Like, they're like, I will be the first to die, <laughs> and I will be of no help to anyone. Um, anyway, so that that's her. Um, the la And Barbie and uh, Julia, they eventually go and help um they go and try and find nori uh, so basically our entire cast is not in the cement factory uh when the bomb hits so it's a good thing that the the bomb doesn't kill everybody um there's one funny moment where uh alice and carolyn come in and they're looking for nori and they're like please we need help has anyone seen our daughter our daughter nori she's tall she's got red hair has anyone seen her and then julia leaps up and runs towards them and i, I thought she was gonna say like tall red hair is it me and just uh, turn it into uh, about her a little bit. Um, before we jump too far ahead, there's a nice uh, chat inside the cement factory before everybody leaves. Um, Phil talks about how he's picked the perfect music to play uh, before the bomb hits, so he sets it up on his uh, DJ tower. Beethoven? Keeps the folks mellow. Um, there's a lot of songs you could pick. Um, but if you're under the dome, it's got to be public domain. So it goes with Beethoven. Um, pretty pretty bland to me. DJ Phil never really seemed like a Beethoven guy, but whatever. Picks that. He's really proud of it, too. <laughs> I don't know. It's just very generic. Um, Barbie tells a story about his time in the military where his unit um, 
split in two and then shot each other um and then was somehow turned into heroes i didn't really catch why people thought that i guess the military the military just said they were to like cover up for the fact that there was a huge friendly fire incident um yeah that's that's about it people just talking some good character building junior uh sort of kidnaps angie in her own room because he's pointing a gun at her um and then he has a snow globe in his hand and he's looking at it and it's very like symbolic all right i'm just going time i I gotta tell like what happens with the bomb uh so moab hits the town the mother of all bombs and anybody who thought that that bomb would do anything to the dome is wrong because they haven't been paying attention this is a magical dome uh the dome repels that puny missile and it all that's left is just black smoke the outside of the dome a wasteland charred and dead uh at least on one side they're not going to go to that side very frequently because it's a bad angle um as in you got to pay cg money but the dome bounces off it not a dent on this thing what's the word jim i'm not sure yet but everyone's okay um and honestly people seem a bit bummed i think some people just you know if they if, if the moab doesn't work then there's not really anything that's getting them out um now you might ask why did they use like i don't know probably the hundredth most potent bomb in their arsenal like every nuclear bomb i'm pretty sure is more powerful maybe not everyone but a lot of them are um and i think the reason is they didn't want to have to worry about radiation and they wanted to still have people on the outside of the dome and i'm talking about the writers here (laughs) but yeah that's the only missile that they send at it um okay so this leads into uh, the second thing i want to talk about uh first of all why did they fire a missile at the dome um according to barbie it's because of the butterflies that were there um butterflies uh like a lot of animals uh, when they migrate they have sort of a sense of magnetism and anything affecting the earth's magnetic field could throw it off um so the dome having a sort of magnetism Uh, to quote barbie there's no way in hell the government would stand for that so since my dome is going to be very similar to under the dome's dome um no government on earth will stand for it since it is magnetic they will have to blow it out of the sky um they're going to fire the largest missiles or the second largest uh, in their arsenal because uh it might attract butterflies um and maybe they'll bus in people to say goodbye and then immediately blow it up because once they found out that it was magnetic they needed it to go um another thing that's brought up in this episode is did you hear china threatened to attack us after the dome showed up seriously yeah this guy said beijing thought we were testing some kind of illegal super weapon so the president had to talk him off the ledge tell them we didn't even build it but just imagine that imagine if canada for example so in this scenario let's say that we've we've developed the technology to build a big dome and we put it over our own city and then china declares war on us because we can't say that we didn't build it we did build it um but like i don't know i I don't think we're gonna be much of a fight like i guess against the states it'll be different but um maybe that well the states will also declare war on us because their government will not stand for this but (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. The dome isn't that much of a weapon, really. Like, it's more defensive. And if anything, it's just crippling our economy by taking Toronto out of it. Um, anyway, so that's something I didn't consider, is that if we make this dome, uh, it's going to be like in civilization if we launch a nuke. Like, the entire world is turned against us because it's magnetic, and they will unite and fire all of their missiles at us. Now, on the plus side, the dome cannot be broken by missiles. Zero percent chance. You could throw the moon at it, and it's going to still be there. Now, on the downside, the rest of Canada is not protected by this dome um, and will probably be either conquered or uh, blown to smithereens. So this is a big downside, and I don't know if social doming is ever going to be able to dig itself out of this hole specifically. Um, but put that down as a con that the rest of the country will be either conquered or blown to smithereens. How does this episode end? Um, well, Joe and Nori, they uh, kiss. Right, right as the bomb's going off. How? When we touched, we didn't have the seizures. More importantly, we didn't die. Uh, Linda cries because, uh, you know, her husband's on the other side of the dome. I don't think he blew up or anything, but... Um, I think I've called him now, her boyfriend, fiancé, and husband. I'm pretty sure it's fiancé. What about you? Did you find your fiancé? Uh, and then Big Jim talks to the Reverend, who's just been so annoying lately. Like, he just keeps walking up to Jim and being like, Oh, well, I'm into God now, and I'm going to out you as being a bad man, even though I've been a bad man my entire life. And, uh, anyway... Jim doesn't take any of that shit and uh, pushes his head into the dome. Uh, and since the Reverend has a uh, hearing aid, um, it doesn't explode, much like Duke's pacemaker. Um, instead, it appears to start leaking Kool-Aid out of his ear. Um, I don't know. It's sort of weird how he's bleeding. It doesn't look like it blew up or anything. But that's the end of Reverend Coggins. Uh, we'll have to see where Jim buries the body. Uh, maybe maybe as he's burying Reverend Coggins, he'll find Peter Shumway. Uh, that, that could be fun. Uh, but this is the first death that uh, first death in a while that isn't a cop, so good news there. Um, yeah, that was that was episode six um, or five. What, what is episode six? Let's take a look. The Endless Thirst. Oh man, if I am not mistaken, I think they're going to run out of water in Chester's Mill. It's been, I don't know, six episodes, so probably four days, um, and they're going to run out of water because, oh man, I can't even think of what reason why. They have a huge lake. They have, um, they showed that hoses can go through the walls, or the dome walls, so... I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like a different type of thirst. Maybe the town's running out of booze. I don't know. We're going to find out. Anyway, um, yeah, so we're on that's five out of five. We might have a special guest host next episode or guest co-host. Um, I'll still be here. But, yeah, um, hope you guys are still uh, enjoying and uh, signing off from Chester's Mill. See ya. Thank you.